Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. And today we're talking about all of the creepy, maybe uncanny AI stuff we've seen posted all around the internet this week. Uh, Devendra has a surprise for me during this show, so you can <laughs> so, see so many surprises. For my- yeah. Real live reaction. And then later on in the episode, we'll be joined by editor-at-large James True to talk a little bit about action cameras as well as our roundup of the year, our coverage um, that looks back on the year that was 2022. Yeah, as always, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure to subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. And we usually broadcast the recording of this show live on the Engadget YouTube channel on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern. It's a fun time. You can leave your comments. We will un- answer the questions live, talk to you live. Uh, so yeah, we get to interact and have fun. Come join us then. So let's dive into it. This week, if you've been on social media at all, you may have seen a lot of very like glowed up pictures that people have been posting of themselves. At least I think they look kind of glowed Literally up. Literally right? glowed up in many cases, like glowing, actually. Yeah. Exactly. And um, not only that, if you're in more writery channels or media circles, you may also have seen people post like bot-generated articles or blog posts and that sort of stuff. Devendra, did you notice this phenomenon as it was happening? Have you partaken in it? I have noticed this phenomenon. So, I mean, throughout this year, right, we've been talking about the rise of AI-generated art. Uh, We've also talked about, like, AI, you know, text bots and stuff, too, like where you could potentially have conversations. There was the one guy who believed Google's, you know, uh, chatbot was basically sentient, and he has now recanted that whole thing. And we dedicated a whole episode to that. But what's funny is that over the past few weeks, we're seeing more and more things basically get to a point where it's like um, people are actually using them. So the other, the big one I'm seeing all over the place is Lenza, which is the, um, it's basically a photo editing app, but it also gives you the ability to send like 10 to 20 photos to their AI processing. I believe they're using stable diffusion. Um And it takes that and it just gives you a wide variety of your portrait, your uh, avatar, your face in very different settings. So 
I've seen a lot of people do it. If you've been looking around on Instagram or whatever, you're probably seeing people put their stuff up. Um, it's interesting. Have you dabbled at all in this, Sherlyn? I – so I remember every time this new sort of like AI or fun app type of thing that has to do with your selfie happens, I know like subsequently we find out it was a huge data scam. Like it was a huge like, <laughs> you know, vulnerability. They're stealing your data. So I, I didn't. I held off. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then it also reminded me of Me Too and like a whole bunch of other, you know, selfie editing apps that used to generate these sorts of portraits as well. I was like, how's this – different it's really. very it's like, very it is very similar it's not the first time we've seen this sort of thing i think it's the level of like how hard this goes that's kind of interesting like it, it will put you into full-on genres uh for me it leaned hard on sci-fi it gave me some like <laughs> really like um futuristic headsets because i had some like photos of me and the hololens and vr in there too Ooh, um great. so it it kind of has fun with it but also you know there's good and bad to it i think it leads to some interesting things i don't think it gets eyes correctly Facial expressions don't look very good, too. Like, some of my eyes in some of the photos just look, like, completely dead because it doesn't get pupils very good. And there was one, which I'm not going to show you guys, but, like, my eyes are just completely reversed and, like, eyelids are, like, reversed and it looks like something from a horror movie. So, you know, we'll have uh, we'll have a whole bunch of things to show on the live stream. So I collected a bunch for you, Sherlyn, because we know how much you love being surprised and you love to surprise me with your pop culture picks. So... We have sent them to our video producer, and I'm, we're just going to display some. So on the audio side, you guys are going to hear Sherlyn's reaction. You could go check out the YouTube live stream to see what these pictures actually look like, because I won't be posting them online, okay? So let's uh, let, let's pick one. Let's start. Ben, Julio, are you going to choose? <laughs> what, are you, what are you seeing? This was, is, this the, the, is this the original? Okay, so this is a picture of the vendor <laughs> looking incredibly polished with a white scarf wrapped around his neck with like really nice glasses on by his face. There's something kind of strange about it. Your yeah, ear yeah. looks You're having a really like hard real time like ear. saying anything nice about my my avatar and my picture. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> it is good looking. I wanted to ask if the source image you provided was your the image that's from your film slash film film cast? Film cast. No, uh, no. It's just a no, bunch okay. of selfies I had. Familiar. One one of my um, headshots, I think one of the headshots I had made in Gadget. So, yeah, this image is from the superhero genre of pictures it, it produced. And I don't know, um, the scarf so is very much like... So you're supposed to be like Clark like, Kent, sort of? This is very much like a superhero strike pose. So, yeah, the scarf, I don't know where it got the scarf from because I don't really wear scarves that often. But this is... Oh, it you is should. It looks like good in this picture. Pose. It's a good picture. You should yeah. totally wear... Oh, my goodness. Okay, we've moved <laughs> on to a second picture now. Holy crap. And now you look like um, Timo from League of Legends or something. Like one of those League oh, yeah, of Legends yeah, yeah. fighting characters one of the, or something. A League of Legends you know? character, but it's very, like, it's illustrated. But you have a very big head in this one. Big yeah. head, small body. This is very much like an anime style thing almost. But this was in the sci-fi genre. It's just like, it's having fun. It's kind of having fun. I dig it. I wish the eyes So were I don't know if we're going to see any more pictures because, okay, we're, there's more. Okay. There's wow. More. This is an anime style. This is full anime on anime style. style, which I like. Yeah. I like it. Your hair is kind of gray and white. We're moved, we've moved on to another anime example. This is also anime um, style. Yeah. Also anime style. Also nice drawing. It's more illustrated now. We've got one more of you where you totally do me, not look me like with you like, whatsoever. This is like a, a lens thing. This is a thing directors use when they're trying to like frame a shot with a lens. So I'm holding that up in like, you know, mm. a chair, cross-legged. Mm -hmm. I don't know where but it got this But not a director's chair. 
Yeah. Not a director's chair, strange. but sort of like if you're you're reclining, if like I was like an, a modern day Alfred Hitchcock, just chilling on a set, trying to frame a shot. Uh, but it's, it's it's a wide variety of things, right? It's very different. And there, are, I hear your concerns, Sherlyn, because every time these things pop up, we don't know these companies. Like, where did this company come from? Um, actually, I don't have the exact name of it right in front of me. There's another one we're looking at now, Dapper Me in, like, a white suit. It looks good um, in the white suit, yeah. That one looks good. I, Honestly, it's it's giving me some, like, style ideas. Like, hey, I could yeah. can I do that with my hair. I don't know. I don't know because honestly, my hair I typically just never get a chance to do much with because I, I I don't I, have time for styling or anything. Yeah, um, I also yeah, have we don't to know say. I also have to say that, like in these pictures, like the the hair color looks like you could pull off a lot of different hair colors too. Like, <laughs> I mean, but maybe it's of, because yeah, I would, I would the AI makes mm-hmm. you look good, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, the, well, it smooths there, yeah. out things. It, it is sort of like I would say, like it's the way sometimes I want to envision myself, like when I'm on a stage or doing something. It's sort of like the way I want to see myself, but definitely not the way I look in reality. And that is sort of like an interesting thing. It, 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 it's just like uh, tying over, yeah. The company that made Lenza AI is called Prisma Labs. It's based in California, yes, and it had uh, it was made. It was the company was founded in 2016, and it's the company behind the editing app called Prisma, um, mm-hmm. which I've seen on the App Store. I think people have used it. I don't know if that means we can necessarily trust the company. You at know least, what I mean? at but least they've been around. You know, we know they've yeah. been dabbling in this space. We don't fully know. If we can trust like their data and stuff, right? They say like exactly. so. Basically, you're sending them ten to twenty photos. They say they delete those photos after they're done processing, and that process takes like a day. But the actual photos it creates, um, I think I saw a note saying, "Hey, in the future, we'll give you the option to delete your other data on our servers," which sort of implies, yeah, you're just you're That's just keeping shady. those. They're just on your servers, and yeah. then anything you wow. contribute to an AI just makes the AI stronger, right? The AI is like a Borg, so it's getting smarter and stronger. It sees different types of people. Um, and you're also contributing to the power of the AI in a certain way. I don't know how this stuff works with stable diffusion because that's a whole separate uh, open source project, I believe. Um, so they're just kind of tapping into that. Uh, but maybe there will be some crosstalk. Maybe there will be some learning from that. I'll say my experience was mostly positive. We've seen stories from people saying uh, it's terrifying, especially for women and women of color. This AI is doing weird stuff like maybe over-sexualizing them in ways, lightening their skin, which many people don't want. Uh, There's an article on Wired um, about a person who basically uploaded a lot of child photos, too, of herself as a child, along with some adult photos. And And Lenza just ended up with these weirdly sexualized child photos of her. And that is just strange and disturbing. And some people have seen even worse. So the stuff is not perfect. It's kind of messy. Speaking of even worse, um, the company Prisma, uh, two days ago, uh, apparently had to come out and say, hey, we're working to make sure that Lenza uh, doesn't accidentally generate nudes. It is kind of wild that like, you know, because there's an article a little while ago that said it's all too easy to trick Lenza into generating NSFW pictures. So... Uh, Prisma says it is now working on preventing that from happening. I mean, it's kind of like a deep fake, right? If you think about it. I wonder if this gives anyone any pause because I know in our live uh, chat during the live stream, a uh, dude named Charlie looking at the pictures of Devendra was very much like, I need these filters, LOL. <laughs> uh, Lucky Dog Podcast also said it's pretty impressive for being a free yeah, software. They thing. look cool. It's not free. It's not free. So yeah. let me be But clear. what about yeah. what about yeah, if the AI generated accidentally generated a nude? 
I mean, would you y'all think to do that? it's so impressive? Yeah. I mean, uh, some people, I think some people are trying to do that. So uh, let me, the, the process of, you know, starting Lens is you download the app and it starts with saying like, hey, you, you want this, right? $50 a year. Sign up for the subscription. So you have a free trial, but you kind of have to start using the subscription before you do the app. I also hear you don't, you, I've heard from some people you don't actually have to do that, but I just wanted to like get through and see it going. So I did the subscription and immediately unsubscribe. So do that for every app, folks, like where you have a free trial so you know you're not paying whenever it refreshes. Uh, so I did that. And then for the magic avatars, as they call these, that's an extra $8. So I basically paid so that eight dollars for the for these you did? pictures. Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. For like, it was like fifty pictures, and I got them in four K. So I got them in like very high resolution. But people are paying for these things, so it's already generating a probably a decent chunk of money. Yeah, it's a lot to think about because first of all, these things are generating selfies already. It's all like coming up with a depiction of what's a, a stylized version of you look like, right? If it's nudes, we're talking body types. We're talking torso. We're talking like just you know, physicality that like also has a definite, like the industry has struggled a long time with like what's the so-called ideal size or the, it's just body image stuff. And how is an AI going to learn about that? Is it taking your image and then tweaking it thinner and slimmer or longer? Like the way we already know a lot of self-editing apps used to do, we just don't know. Um, dude named Charlie in the chat already said no nudes, please. So we know people are not comfortable with that. You don't want to pay $8 to generate an AI nude of you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think well, these look like fun. some people may want that of themselves. Who knows? Like, what would that service What like? are you going to do with start, it? Okay, y'all. What if they start what are you feeding doing with images? This AI stuff? What am I doing with it? I'm just like, I just wanted to see what they look like. And basically for this, for the show, so we could have this conversation. Okay, that's good to know. Because it's like, if you paid $8 to generate like, you know, a, a photorealistic. So, because all of these pictures, they're not all paintings or illustrations, right? Some of them looked photorealistic. The first few that we saw kind of looked like they were a photo of you, but like painted maybe. Um, if if you, like, if it looks like a painting enough, would you put it and hang it on your wall? Like, was it? No. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I know some people who would. I know some people who really love to keep images of themselves around and maybe put them on their phones and other devices. So, Smart I, display. I, it, it is not that far to imagine, like, Sherlyn would definitely have a frame photo of her magic avatar. I somewhere. would totally be Samantha from Sex and the City and put up, like, uh -huh. a picture of me in my peak form on my, yep. <laughs> <laughs> my walls. Um, but, I mean, yeah, there's, there's – I guess, I don't know. It would be interesting to see where Lenza uh, heads and what Prisma does with it and the data that it has collected – I would say just be careful. Like, that's the thing. Like, make sure you don't keep that subscription going if you want to test this out. We don't know what this stuff means ultimately, but it's interesting. Yeah. So I feel like Lenza AI has a more general mainstream appeal. But the other AI generator that's been going around uh, in the last week, week and a half or so, is ChatGPT. It's a bot that, like, uses your input to come up with a bunch of text-based uh, content. It doesn't necessarily have to be blog entries or articles or whatever. It can be... what The first example I saw of ChatGPT actually was code. The first example I saw of ChatGPT was in our programmers, which I follow because, you know, I'm a programmer. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. but um, it, was, it was an example of a coder talking to the, the bot saying, hey... Uh, instead of HTML, I have decided to create a new markup language called HBML. And HBML 
will replace, uh, you know, will be simpler, will be cleaner, will replace um, parentheses with uh, brackets, with the curly line brackets. So you use divs instead of like the open close uh, tags uh, or tags to like, to like envelope your things. So it explained that to the bot and the bot just came up with a whole new language, with a whole new like HBML. He's like, okay, now that you know what HBML is, write up, uh, uh, show me a web page in HBML. And the bot came back with like an HBML, like a page written in HBML. And it was pretty naughty, I will say. I mean, <laughs> naughty is my word choice, naughty but it was sick. code or whatever it was trying to make. No, 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 yeah. it was good. It was, uh -huh. it was sick. It was like, oh my goodness, it's pretty sophisticated. Naughty in the sense that like, I'm scared kind of scared like i feel like a bad child what do we do now what have we done um have you played with chat gpt dev i haven't actually had much time with chat, chat gpt myself but i've seen the results from a lot of people right and definitely a lot of different reporters have done it i know dan ackerman from cna had asked it to like mm -hmm. write a laptop review in his style and like Mm -hmm. Hey, it, it put those words together pretty well, and it sounds like a pretty generic laptop review. It doesn't like it doesn't have the personality I expect from his reviews, and I think that's part of it. Um, it can mimic text, right? These things aren't magic. They're making text based on things that it already knows, stuff it can already see. Um, and we've seen like somebody was like, "Oh, I, I've had a great conversation about, about the nature of physics with ChatGPT." But again, you're just talking to a robot that knows some basic information about physics and can kind of bounce it back to you. So I think that part, it, we are just so easily impressed. Again, it's like Blake Lemoyne, the guy who thought Google's exactly. thing was, uh, was getting sentient. It's not quite that. But it's also very smart at producing text in many ways. There's a great article in The Atlantic today from Ian Bogos, who's a writer I typically enjoy. I know a lot of people. He, he writes things that get people angry sometimes, but he points out that um, ChatGPT is still very dumb, you know? And actually, he does this cool trick where the first, like, three or four paragraphs of his piece is written by ChatGPT in the style of his voice. And reading it, I'm like, huh, this feels... It feels weird. Like my brain is like, I didn't, he didn't reveal it at the time, but I felt, read those opening graphs. I'm like, huh, this is very simplistic. It's very like, um, hey, I have this point. Therefore, yada, yada, yada. Therefore, this is what it means. And he, a friend of his had asked um, ChatGPT to write criticism of itself, you know, in the style of Ian Bogos. And it's, it, it, it's, it, they're words. They don't actually mean anything. And I think what Ian points out is that, it's still very bad at like meaning, right? It doesn't understand meaning. ChatGPT doesn't know what these words mean. It knows how to put the right. words together. So it's sort of like somebody writing a very uh, bad book report, you know, or somebody who's like seen a movie, a movie version of a book is trying to write a book report based on that. And like, you don't yeah. know what this stuff means most of the time. So I don't know. What, what do you think, Cher? I think that the the subhead, the subtitle under the uh, title of the Atlantic's article is. Um, very good. It says treat it as a toy, not a tool. It's not here to take over our jobs yet. Um, and we're kind of reading, I want to read some examples of the paragraphs you're talking about. Uh, and tell me if this is a correct example of the, the uh, text you're describing as chat GPT generated, right? So it goes, first and foremost, chat GPT lacks the ability to truly understand the complexity of human language and conversation. It is simply trained to generate words based on a given input, but it does not have the ability to truly comprehend the meaning behind those words. This means that any responses it generates are likely to be shallow and lacking in depth and insight. Furthermore, the reliance on ChatGPT for conversation 
Yeah, raises ethical concerns. If people begin to rely on a machine to have conversations for them, it could lead to a loss of genuine human connection. The ability to connect with others through conversation is a fundamental aspect of being human, and outsourcing that to a machine could have detrimental side effects on our society. Yeah. So, so reading that, that is I was example, clearly yeah. like, this is a robot. This is a robot talking about humans, basically, and it's sort of like a robot talking about itself. Um, and you, you could tell, like, anybody... Like, it reads like a five-paragraph essay that we used to be assigned in school, and uh, Ian even I mentions. Mean, it at did some pretty point. good. It was yeah, but good also in the sense a that lot like, of, it, yeah, but also a lot of people criticize is like, yeah, you're sure that that is an assignment a lot of people get, but it's a very template-like way of writing. It's not like a way to actually communicate things. It's very basic, and a lot of people think five-paragraph uh, writing and testing is not really helpful to students, and that is basically what this thing did. It's like it did, furthermore, it did, um, even, even says like it, it didn't in conclusion at the end, um, which it all sounds like a fifth grader's book report at the end of the day. And I'm like, yeah, I can tell. I could eat, I could tell maybe because I read his stuff, but also because it sounds so basic. And some people are good writers and some people aren't. And maybe for some folks who need a little help, a tool like this could be useful for helping them to formulate their thoughts. But yeah, I, I don't know if we should be totally freaked out yet. It just feels like that's always our first response, right? Yeah, I I don't, I mean, I'm not like ugh, freaked out. I guess it's, it immediately just raises the issue of like, oh no, this is not another, you know, sort of bot that will cause people to f- feel like AI is sentient again. And like, oh, like, that's me. I was just like, oh no, it's still taking input and spitting out output. So it's still yeah. to me, it's, not it's too the same. scary. It's not that sophisticated yet. Mm-hmm. It's the same basic argument, too. It's like it doesn't get meaning. It doesn't understand meaning. Um, whereas you can have a conversation about, like, the nature of yourself or what art means or something with another human being. Um, you can't really have that with a chat bot. And also, again, they did. They don't come up with things unprompted. We're always feeding them a question or a prompt, and then it comes back to us. So in, in that respect, like, it can't comment on things, yeah. I did find that GPT, chat GPT is uh, impressive in the sense that it can come up with, like, code. It generates code. That, that was pretty cool. Uh, they are getting more sophisticated, that is for sure, but not to the point of we need to worry yet. Yeah, I, I think one other thing people are pointing out is, like, these things, we also, it's hard to tell when they're bad. So a lot of programmers are like, yeah, it's giving you code. It won't actually make a game, right? It's like, Maybe the basic code you see in an intro to ComSci class. Um, and same thing for like when people are asking it more technical questions. It's very good at bullshitting, right? Because it's good at sounding smart, even if the fundamentals are wrong. So that, that, that to me is another danger, yeah. Do you know what happened with Hank Green? Because I'm seeing a mention about it in our, our show notes. You want to tell me about it? In our it? show notes. Um, yeah, what happened with Hank Green? Let me pull this up. For a second, we have the link. Um, yeah, so Hank Green on Twitter basically was like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna push the limits of Midjourney, which is another AI." He's the CEO of Complexly Media. He typically like you know he, he tweets about like science and the internet, but he asked Midjourney um, to show him something, but about cats. But he kept adding a to the word cat. So the first thing he just writes C A T. It's a beautiful looking cat, handsome cat, long fur. He wrote C A A T. And it is a cat that is more like steampunky. He has like <gasps> a, a helmet with a watch on it. He has like little bits of nice. leather armor. A cat with three A's looks like a monk in like neo-futurist clothes or something. Four A's. It's just getting more and more. But you get to five A's and the cat oh, is like wow. s- 
big mouth, screaming. Oh my gosh. Get to six A's. The cat is like uh, a weird, it almost looks like a, uh, a creature from space. You get to seven A's. It is fully cosmic. Eight A's. It's totally evil. Like it just gets more and more diffuse. Um, nine A's. It was. It's no longer a cat. It's it's a woman that looks like a cat and gets crazier and crazier. But one of the final images he lists is just like pure cosmic cyber horror, but it looks like a cat. So I mean, it all looks you know, so good. You know what I mean? It, it, the it's all like really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're only listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure to go check out um, the live stream portion of this or just look up Hank Green Cat. It's a tweet thread. I mean, there's there's a lot this week that happened with AI generated content. I guess people are just bored. It's the holiday season and we're looking for stuff hey, to do. It and, is the and, fun new thing we can we can play with. Yeah, we're all bored. Yeah. And so far, it seems harmless so far. Uh, maybe one day I will eat my words. But if you have made some fun AI-generated content. You can feel free to tweet it at us at Engadget. You can also send it our way, podcast at Engadget.com. Uh, we'd love to see your favorites. So now we're moving on to a little segment featuring someone and something I've been wanting to talk about for a little while now. Joining us for this part of the podcast is Engadget's editor-at-large, the one, the only, James True. James, what's up? Hey. How's it going, Shalane? How's it going, Davindra? Hello. Yeah, and I gave you a really big intro, and you like were just like, "Hey, <laughs> it was not great." Like, well, you hey guys, what's up? This is me running at like 112 percent enthusiasm. So you know, you should you know, don't forget I'm English. This is this is about as hot as I run. Oh wow! Well, that, uh, thank you for bringing 112 percent. I appreciate <laughs> it. Specifically, so, 12. We- <laughs> We talked about in the past, me and James, of uh, having James come on the show to talk more about the action cameras that have launched um, in the run-up. Uh, but it always happened during when we have like all kinds of other stories going. It would be too packed of a show. Or just, you know, Elon Musk constantly burning the internet down and we just, I'm sorry, James. You know what I mean? So today we finally have some time. We want to talk about all the action cameras uh, you've seen this year, what your favorites are, how the industry looks now. Um, so right off the bat, what was the last action camera you reviewed? Uh, it's the uh, Hero 11 Black Mini from GoPro. So they released two this year, which is unusual. Um, they've been doing on a pretty steady Apple-style new camera every fall type thing. But they released the Mini this year, um, which came out after the, the main Hero Black. So that was just a couple of weeks ago, actually. I think it's quite recently that we we did that one. I remember that one. What was the, so? What was the difference between that and the like Hero Eleven Black? Like we, I think we sort of talked about it in our show, but we didn't really get the full expert opinion. Yeah, it's there's not a lot. I mean, functionally, it's the same camera. So in terms of like um, the quality of the footage, you're looking at the same thing, but it doesn't have the screen on the back because it's uh, smaller, as the name suggests. Um, it's a little bit lightweight. It doesn't do a few other things. Like, you can't use it as a webcam, which you can every other GoPro. And, yeah, it's it's a little more limited. It's really they're just attempting to make it a, a straightforward helmet camera. Like, don't buy this because you want to do a bunch of things with it. Just buy this one because you just want to put it on your helmet and off you go kind of thing, right? Um, but it does get really hot quite easily. 
So, which is a bit 112 percent hot, or like <laughs> well, maybe maybe two two hundred and twelve percent. Oh no! So, yeah, but they, they, they were they were pretty quick to make sure that um, we knew that. Oh, don't record! Don't just use this to record 4K at home in a static environment because it's not going to do that. Um, you know, which is because the first thing all the YouTube testers do is exactly that. Um, uh, so. Yeah, but it is also a little, they're definitely trying to push a message to steer you away from the obvious failing that it overheats in like in about five minutes as well, if if you're recording 4K. That reminds yeah. me of like old school mirrorless cameras where like, yeah, you, you couldn't really do more than five or 10 minutes of 4K recording. This thing is very cute. I have to say that, James. So it, it you've is seen cute. a lot of action cams, right? So design wise, it's a big step up. Yeah, it's a big step up. It's not quite as small as I would like it to be. With a name like Mini, right? You're thinking it's going to be like a good, like the um, the Hero Session. The, they were basically as big as the lens, and that, you know that was it. Whereas this is the the, the space savings aren't a lot. Um, it's that, that's not necessarily the reason why to buy it. I guess. I mean. I guess it is, but it's not as small as it could be. It's, it's, it's really what I'm saying. But it is slick and it is nice. And as long as you're moving, you know, it's never a problem. Uh, it should be clear, you can record in 4K at home as long as you're like on 4K 30. I think if it's once you go above that, that you're going to gonna sort of have problems. So uh, I prefer the regular Hero 11 Black, if I'm honest. Though. But it's because it's, it's not cheap enough to go down to the mini. It's like a $50 mm. difference. To, oh. to lose uh, quite a bit of functionality. That screen on the back is really, really useful. And there's no screen on the front either. So you're, you're losing on, quite for a For the few. mini, right? Because I know the, the, the regular has both back and front screens. Yes, which are probably two of the most important things that they've done in, in recent years because framing yourself with those things is notoriously annoying. If you know, like you're doing the stick thing and you're you're just trying to get yourself in shot, it's like... The, it. It's such a wide shot. You can now kind of end up either just you know, <laughs> cutting yourself off or you're like really up against the top. So I think so. Huh. Because they're pretty wide angle. So so you, for our Apple Watch Ultra uh, review video, me and Brian went out and Brian had his, you know, professional camera. I was the manning the GoPro Hero 11 Black. And after my experience with that, I went to James and I was like, okay, I love this thing. It's got the screen. I could put myself in it. I could see myself. And for me, obviously, that's the sort of videos I make. B videos All about me you. and them. <laughs> <laughs> just me. It's cool. We were just like dancing or just trying to dance. Um, James, like what is, I mean, is action cameras, right? What do you use them for? Like what are you getting up to out there in Valencia, Spain? Well, so it's interesting because you used the term action camera. And I think in one of my last stories, I can't remember if it was the Mini or the, or the 11, I sort of made a point about how they... That name is a bit of a sort of an anachronism now because they're um, even though they're very well suited to that kind of thing, they've kind of become quite popular in sort of in creative circles and social um, media sort of types. So they introduced this isn't just GoPro, but the, you know they're a really good example of it. They sort of ninety degree mode. So if you're shooting for Instagram and stuff like that, a lot of people use it in in those sort of things. Or I got a friend who's like a street photographer. So he goes out and he, he goes around the town, takes a load of photos, but he keeps his GoPro on his like backpack strap. And then he cuts it all together later as like a sort of a, a, a vlog of sorts, um, which is nothing revolutionary. But I'm just saying when you come, he combines it with his photos and it, you know, it's like 
you get this really slick video that leads into all the f- cool photos that he's taken as well. So I think a lot of people are using it. Uh, vlogging is, has come a long way. GoPro, in fact, sells a creator edition, which is more focused on, on that side of thing. Um, so that's kind of one of the more interesting areas. My favorite, though, is um, how it's drone videos, but not the ones you're thinking of. So we're not just talking about like your dad's drone videos where he's filming filming like beautiful landscapes somewhere in yeah. you know rural delaware my dad doesn't take those but yeah okay. <laughs> right you know but um these ones where they're incredibly fast but incredibly smooth um like a dolly sort of thing and you the camera will be the drone will be like going under the skateboard or like um around through really complicated things and incredibly uh there's some really good instagram accounts fpv amazing is one a good place to start look at that and you'll see these really really incredible drone videos that are shot with action cameras uh, rather than the like a DJI drone, if that makes right. sense. Right. Their stabilization has come a really long way, right? Yeah, that is, without doubt, I would say there's a solid break um, between uh, DJI's first one, which had really good stabilization, and GoPro's Hero 7, which is the first to add the hyper-smooth. They're sort of, that's kind of like a, a B, BC and AD type scenario where the the action camera just became so, so, so much better after the stabilization thing was taken care of because beforehand, honestly, 90% of my footage would be garbo. It's just too shaky to... Uh, I mean, it's I mean, sort of thing. But unless you're doing something very steady, it was very difficult to to, to sort of get anything usable out of it. But the stabilization was, was, was a huge thing, and GoPros is really, really, really good now. So... Do you you also re- but review a bunch of drones for us to relate drone well, cameras? If yeah, I'm not wrong? I have, but I haven't for a while. I've kind of um, passed off on Steve because, first of all, Steve's a much better photographer than I am, um, and he lives in in rural France, which is absolutely stunning. Where he lives is like where I live is nice, but where like you know, out right by the airport and blah 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 blah. So getting getting out to filming film with drones is really really difficult. So Steve's really the the guy on on who who's been on that beat more recently. Do you think um, phones are becoming? I mean, I feel like they're just at a point with everything Apple's added, right? Like the action mode and everything. It seems like less and less of a reason most people wouldn't even need a GoPro at this point. Yeah, this is kind of the thing that people have been saying really since the, the beginning of they've got, it's it's the thing that keeps coming up and i think for a good reason because you're right the the camera you get on um say your iphone for example it's really good or um on a, a good samsung that it does 90 percent of what you want to do right and the old adage you know the, the best camera you have is the one you have with you which is always going to be your phone right but i find with for for me personally, using a GoPro is like a, um, first of all, like I can set it up and I mount it somewhere, right? I'm never going to do that with my phone. So that's the standard thing that keeps them apart. And also, they're, even though the iPhone's waterproof, I don't know if I want to be like surfing <laughs> with, with my phone or anything if I was to ever go surfing. So you're right. I feel like most people like can probably get away if, if you're on vacation or whatever. Take your phone, you know? But I think GoPros have, or I keep saying GoPro, but I just mean action cameras in general. If you look at like DJI's uh, Osmo Pocket, they're, they're just really good vlogging cameras. And they just, I, I don't know, but I like dedicated devices for dedicated things, right? And I think that was, 
that's kind of what keeps me going back to the GoPro. Is that I know this is task specific. I've got all the mounting options in the world. I can keep my phone in my pocket um, out of harm's way and do that. But a lot of people, a phone's going to be enough. I would say that like using a GoPro to film as opposed to like my phone, the biggest benefit for me has been things like battery life, right? Like the GoPro had not like continuous looping battery, but like if I don't want to drain my phone's battery life, the GoPro is better. Um, and then the storage is good. The stabilization, honestly, especially with the wide angle lens has been really pretty good on that thing. So I can set it and forget it almost and then leave it somewhere, right? And then whenever I think I want to get a clip, I press down the shutter button and then like I do a little bit like a 30 second clip and then they stop it or something. So it is convenient that way when it's already on you uh, and you know you're going out to like shoot a video thing for sure. There are definitely some modes as well. Um, I forget the Go, GoPro stupid name for it, but um, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's hyper something or super whatever, hyper view, I think it is, um, where mm, it literally right. gets the whole of the frame and crowns it into yeah. a 16 by 9. Now, for 90% of things you ever want to film, this is awful. Never do that. It just looks, it's going to look really, really weird. But when you're doing first person activities, um, it just adds this sense of speed and intensity that is is really, really, really cool. I've got uh, one of the um, test foot uh, test clips I did. I'm I'm just on electric skateboard going around the center. But every time you pass something, it's this sense of like proximity and speed that you can't get with with um, uh, with your phone camera. Probably. I mean, maybe they could do it, but um, it's it's particularly good for stuff like that. Are we going to keep covering action cameras by the generation? James, uh, I think. So I I think like so GoPro does it every year, and I feel like. This year's was, it's, it's always a better camera. It kind of gets a bit annoying to review them because you're like, yeah, it is better. But, you know, like you must get this with phones, right? Where, yeah, of course it's better, but is it exciting? I don't know. So the 11 wasn't that exciting to me. And I wish GoPro would sort of slow it down and do every two years. Like DJI doesn't pump them out so often. Insta360 doesn't pump them out so often. So maybe it would be nice if they sort of eased off the gas a little bit and kept... The update's a little bit more uh, more exciting every every sort of time. But um, they, for now, they're going to keep doing it every year. So What are they going to add? 360-degree mode? Well, that's already, they already camera? added that. Um, so oh, yeah. the, the, the current GoPro, you can actually spin it 360 degrees and, and it will not move. The horizon will lock, which is pretty cool. Um, so and they already had the 360 camera. So I'm always I always think the same thing. What are they going to do? There's nothing really they can do, and they kind of find something somehow. So this is why I don't work in product. Make it design. smaller, make it cheaper. I feel like that would that be better be right? for people. The, the mm-hmm. pricing uh, is is the main barrier, I would say. It's, and this weird pricing they do, where it's more expensive if you don't get a subscription. Which, oh lord, I hate that. Well, it's I mean it's good for the customer because you just get a su- subscription and the camera's cheaper, but it's just very confusing. I think if you're like at Best Buy and you're seeing this, two you're like, why is it more expensive? Isn't that the better thing? Because normally the pricier thing is the better thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Before we wrap this section up, what advice do you have for someone that's looking to buy an action camera, not only maybe for themselves, but for, let's say, someone else as a gift? I definitely know what you want to do with it, I think, because I think you see a lot of people that buy an action camera and they're just sort of walking around on on their vacation, holding it in their hand like this, and it's awful for that stuff. Um, So know what they do, like if they're into sort of water sports or like uh, first-person view stuff, That's make sure that the action camera is the best thing 
for the, for what they want to do. And don't have any shame in getting something like an older... GoPro keeps its last three models as the sort of top, middle, and bottom. And I would say anything from the 9 onwards is really, really good. So do not um, panic about getting an older model. And also do definitely look at Insta360 and DJI because they're... they're might just be a little better value for what you specifically need, even if I would say GoPro has like a bigger ecosystem and, and a better app and stuff like that. So um, don't just go for the most expensive, I guess, is the is the short version of, of what I just said. Buy smart, I feel like is a thing we always talk about. Also, I bought one a couple of years ago because I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it with kid stuff. We're going to go for walks and go for hikes and stuff, and maybe I could put it in my hat. Have used it like once or twice, so I also need right. more reasons to actually use it. Yeah, I mean, weirdly enough, the reason why I enjoy them is because I feel that by having them, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna find a reason to use it, right? Rather than right. the other way around. Right. Like some people are already like a really good at mountain biking and they need a camera for it or they want a camera for it. Um, I'm the opposite. I'm like, maybe if I buy this, I might go mountain biking, and sometimes <laughs> that works, sometimes it doesn't. For me, it's more finding the time to afterwards put things into a presentable video. Yes, which is probably a Another big thing that I didn't touch on that they've actually got better at over the years. It's still not perfect, but these days from you can go from like camera to app to Instagram pretty quickly. Um, and uh, on all the platforms, but GoPro will make an automatic video for you, which is really, it's not perfect, but it's, it's much better than, than just leaving it rotting on your memory card. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was setting up this GoPro Hero Black 11, I had to like download an app called quick or something yeah which is and that's their editor yeah it's it's a kind of all-in-one app so you can control the camera from it as well is this the when you messaged me and you were like do i need a memory card and i was like yes uh, i was like oh yeah you do (laughs) okay okay we don't need to out me again make sure you put that in your budget it was very much yeah. yeah So when you all buy someone a gift that's a camera or a a GoPro or action camera, the the memory card doesn't come with, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can get a bundle. Like if you shop smart, you can probably find a good bundle on Amazon. Julio, by the way, uh, has a good question. Uh, Do you have any good recommendations for GoPro accessories? He's looking for a really good uh, chest mount stabilizer to capture his point of view during soccer. I also feel like that's dangerous for the camera, but okay. Yeah, I mean, the, so uh, the company, I, think, I forget the name, I think it's Fiu Tech. Um, I won't, don't ask me to spell that. They used to do a, a wearable gimbal um, that could be used for these sorts of things. I would honestly say if you get the most chesty mounts uh, are similar, you don't have to get the official one. Um, and if you get the newer cameras, anything from nine onwards, maybe even the seven for the GoPros, I, I swear the stabilization is good enough that, that you're you're going to be all right. I mean, I mean, maybe the use case is a bit different, but I would say <laughs> I would say would you know just use the maximum stabilization on it if you need it, um, and just get like a, the regular chassis mount. It's, that's kind of cool. Julio, share your footage when you make some. But I also yeah, is I that see. safe? Is that safe to be wearing something while you're in the middle of a soccer match? I don't know. <laughs> I want to see. Well, maybe he's not body checking people. That would be. <laughs> I mean, the ball comes everywhere. But yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's less of a contact sport, right? You know, I mean, maybe you take a camera to the chest, but but you're not going to be like a camera to the a ball you know, to the be, chest. Well, ball camera chest, I guess, in that order. Ball hits camera, it <laughs> all hits your chest. Oof. Uh, um, no, you'll be fine. I, I I can't wait to see the Julio soccer videos. That's a good idea. I would like to strap a, a camera to my body when I. 
go to the gym? I thought about it go after I got there. You go for walks? <laughs> That's just going to be like aggressive. Like you're in the gym filming outward. It's just like, I don't yeah. know, it just feels quite POV, POV chest press. Yeah. <laughs> POV. Um, that, that was always a shot in like House of Cards when he was on the rowing machine. I feel like a lot of it's just aggressive, whatever you're doing, just crazy aggressive shots. Yeah. I want everyone that's watching or listening to send us your favorite uses for uh, a GoPro camera, PG 13, please. Lucky Dog Podcast in the live chat already suggested saying uh, how to videos are great for action camera users. Uh, Davindra, before we let you go, James has been reviewing a Windows handheld gaming machine that. Y'all should talk about when you have some time. Maybe we can bring James back for you to have this conversation. But thanks, James, for your input on action cameras. You will stick around to finish the rest of the show with me, Devendra. We'll see you around then. Safe travels. Moving on now to some other news this week. It has been, as you can expect, a slow week in the world of tech news if you want to like ignore everything that's going on on Twitter, you know. Um, but there has been some intriguing news to me on the iPhone side of things. First of all, iPhone users this week can now share their digital car keys with Pixel owners because if you're an iPhone user, you might have Pixel friends, I guess, pixel using friends. And uh, sometimes they need access to your car and you can send them those car keys. Uh, cool. Is this a thing that happens in Spain? Uh, I don't know. My, James? my car is not certainly not advanced enough that I'm, I'm not in this party yet. Um, although I still, I do have one of those wireless fobs where, you know, you just, I don't, I, there's no key interaction. I'm just walking to the car and opening to get in. Right. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Which I kind of already dislike that because there's a level of, I, I nearly, you can theoretically drive away and throw your key out the window, right? If Not that you would ever do that, but I have left my keys on my roof before. Uh, and, yeah. And, and you can start driving away and your car will let you drive away uh, and the keys will obviously fall off. Um, so, because it will turn on without the key. Because you're near the car, machine. right? So it thinks the key is right. in the car, even if it's just on the roof. Um, uh. Uh, so it's possible to, so anyway, all that to say is that I feel like if we're just introducing more technology, more phones, more shareable stuff, this just makes me nervous about the possibility for things going wrong. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like frictionless, some friction is, is required because sometimes we need that muscle memory. You think? Yeah, I, I definitely think i'm still not used to i definitely have left i've said before my car keys on my roof but i also went and into my apartment and took me uh, 24 hours to find them and they were on top of my car the whole time (laughs) so it took you 24 hours because i couldn't like the car i don't know how to explain it but like my car has these rails on on the roof so and it was just behind that so I, i wasn't anyway but all i'm saying is like for idiots like me Introducing yeah. extra levels of technology um, just just makes me me nervous. But uh, do you drive? I mean, I don't yet. I'm actually about to take step one today, so we'll we'll talk about this later on. But um, to to like kind of expand on this point for for a moment here, I also find it ridiculously funny that the more technology we get in our lives the more stupid the things coming out of my mouth sound. Because why? Some days it's like, I can't wear those shoes today. They're not charged. I forgot to charge my shoes. Are these self-lacing shoes? I can't wear them sometimes because they're dead. Because they're too tight to get in. If not, 
And then the today, literally today, my phone for some reason, uh, T-Mobile just stopped working. I think it's still dead. Uh, I couldn't get in my front door because I have like the entry based on my phone. Uh. So I know I basically couldn't get in. And then because my T-Mobile was dead, I couldn't even text anyone to get me in. Then I remembered I carried my keys with me just in case, just for these situations. So I got in. I could almost not make it in time for this podcast because I couldn't get back into my apartment. So there you go. <laughs> this feels like um, we need a, a Tumblr like of things that happened to <laughs> Shirlin. Um, ah, no! <laughs> like the fact that you didn't charge your shoes is possibly the most oh. most Shaolin thing I've heard for a little while. Uh, <sighs> I love having these. Uh, you had the story for the best and most Shaolin thing. We can talk about this in a little bit, but you were there for um, the microwave incident <laughs> in Barcelona. I, I was there. Um, we can never never go back there again. Uh, but I would like to keep us on on point. Um, this week, with iPhone owners being able to share their digital car keys with Pixel owners, it is the first time that you can share keys between these phone platforms. So I guess, look, yeah, it's like scary to move fully to a technological-only world. But with this, now at least if I forgot my car keys and I'm on a Pixel, I can get an iPhone person to share it with me. I don't know. Whatever. whatever. As we move towards a more technologically uh, facilitated world it's best that there's no like walls right no walled gardens anymore i think it's better that we are able to like share things with more uh people outside of our bubbles this always um, sounds like a in, segue and yeah <laughs> look at that in other iphone news sharing sharing iphone news uh this week too uh apple announced or apple released ios 16.2 and it is the one with the iphone airdrop restriction that we first saw happening in china so ios 16.2 will um make it so that there is a 10 minute cap on how long you can leave your airdrop setting on receiving from everyone uh, as opposed to contacts only or none uh james do you use airdrop and what setting are you on (laughs) (laughs) um i just love the fact the idea that your airdrop setting sort of is like uh defines you as a person it sort of goes on your yeah. your tinder profile that's the sort of like yeah, you need to sure. know if you if you match with with someone else now um i don't use airdrop a lot because only because i tend to be i'm either on i've got an android phone or a mac laptop or now i'm on a windows pc but i've got an iphone so um i've kind of ruined it for myself um in terms of it's just i do use it occasionally obviously when it when it's an option but it, it's currently not always an option for for me which is a real shame because as a system as a way of sharing things it's great right it's i don't want to, have to fire up anything else i just i've got my explorer open drop off you go done yeah. right it's magical. It is magical. I mean, not magical. Well, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I I mean, I, I don't know how like uh, closely you follow the podcast, but we've charted my slow ter- progression into an Apple person over the over the months since iPhone 14 Pro. Wait, you're, and, uh, you're not an Apple things, shill? I'm not an Apple shill. Shut up. Wait, I thought, Shut you, your face. I thought you were paid by then. <laughs> oh, have you been reading the YouTube comments? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I am not. Um, I have for the longest time and still am, uh, been a Google stan and I still am a Google stan. I still love the pixel phone, except for I can't, I can't, it's unreliable as a phone. But, um, one of the big reasons I lean on iPhone so much now is that so many of the people that I hang out with now are iPhone people and 
sharing i take so many videos of the times we hang out together or i take photos of my friends and i just airdrop everything to them i don't need to bother with texting i don't need to bother with like t-mobile you know um i've mentioned t-mobile a few times this episode i need to quickly disclaim that uh, verizon used to be our parent company they no longer own us but they do own like what a small percent of our parent company now so anyway uh, you're James, gonna do you're the bbc thing where you're like t-mobile but other operators are available so that you're not seeing as being <laughs> being biased. Um, I feel I still do a lot of dumb sharing. So if I, like, you know, if you just got a link and it's on your phone, but you want it on your desktop, there are a couple of ways around this. Um, and you can, you, 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 there are clever ways to do it. But sometimes I end up just um, sending it to my wife on WhatsApp. Yeah. Because then I, <laughs> because then I got WhatsApp on the desktop and I just click on the link, right? So I do a lot of that. And I really wish that there was like a nice, clean, one way of sharing everything, right? And I know um, AirDrop isn't necessarily for that style of thing so much, but this, the seamlessness of that experience would be, would be nice if I could just have an easy one option whatever device i'm using i agree with you i mean there used to be a time when like browsers would build in that feature into their um extensions list right there's like send to send to your phone send this page to your phone the other way around is a little harder um, they do do it but but chrome does that um there's just something about it the way they they like in chrome you can do like or um mac mac um, open in desktop yeah there are like i say there are but i find that actually just sharing it on whatsapp or sometimes slack it to myself <laughs> you know like these so i've got slack on my phone boom and then i'll, I'll just do it it's the, all these dumb ways of of sharing little, little tiny digital things that i need to on another computer um which i know is not what airdrop does but in the spirit of that i would like it wouldn't be nice if the, the, it was just a lot easier to share very trivial things I feel like this is a whole other episode. Like you, me, all the different people on staff need to talk about like the different platforms we use and why like we love them and hate them. But uh, back to AirDrop really quickly, iOS 16.2 uh, makes it so that AirDrop, like I said, automatically reverts to contacts only after 10 minutes because this prevents unwanted requests to receive content. Um, and, you know, there was a case where a Southwest Airlines passenger was airdropping new photos to other people <laughs> on that plane. But do- well done. Good job. When I saw this story, what it actually reminded me of, um, uh, now gather around children because uh, Granddaddy James is going to tell you a story. Um, uh, wow. Well, only because it's actually going back some. Uh, I remember when Bluetooth came out, like not Bluetooth, something new. I mean, Bluetooth. This was a new thing <laughs> that, that people like. Oh, um, so literally it was like just for headsets at this point, right? Um, and And... But people have figured out once a few phones have got it, you could uh, send a file and it would tell you yes. what other Bluetooth devices were around. And then you choose them and they would get a message saying, do you want to receive whatever file? And it was like a very early 2000s version of doing exactly this. Um, yeah. There were yeah. news stories about people who were like hooking up at train stations because they'd encountered, found each other on, on these Bluetooth like it was weird so when i saw that it just reminded i thought like it doesn't matter what the technology is humans will find a way like to ruin yeah. it and, and to to sully well, it well yeah grinder but bluetooth um, right back into bluetooth only grinder yeah great 
Um, this week too, we learned that nothing, uh, maybe in talks to launch a new smartphone in the U.S. If you remember, nothing is that company that uh, Carl Pei left OnePlus and founded, um, and it's the one that released that transparent phone. Um, back earlier this year but that phone was not going to be available in the u.s it was only going to be available in europe middle east and asia uh apparently carl pay this week told cnbc that nothing may launch a future model in the u.s generally i don't want to talk too long about this because it's carl pay saying something may happen it's not a huge deal but if there were a new phone contender here in the u.s that would be interesting. James, do you have, like, do you know people who are, you know, over in Europe who are, like, big on these nothing phones? Um, absolutely not. Um, it, <laughs> no, I mean, like, so obviously given what we do for a living, that, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I hear about them all. First of all, I hate the name, nothing. It's just, it's <laughs> yep. so annoying to, like, just in to write about, right? You have to use this horrible word. <laughs> but um, I, I feel like what they've, I was trying to remember what they reminded me of. And it, I realized it's, it reminded me of Essential. I don't know if you remember the Essential yes, phone, Andy Rubinson. Yes, it's exactly, right? yeah. Um, of course you yes. remember it, sorry. But it was a couple of years ago. It took me a while to remember. So I haven't used them. I haven't seen them around. But it looks, uh, I know Matt Smith has, and they're quite sort of jazzy looking, interesting. I'm curious about it. I'm, I'm a long-term Android fan. Even though I'm on the iPhone at the moment, I, I always wanted there to be, uh, better rivals, better options, just beyond Samsung and you know the classic sort of thing. So I'm glad that they're around. I haven't experienced it. I don't know. Um, it's just Android brands beyond Samsung really struggle to get sort of mind share, right? Even a Pixel is. Uh, but have you used the yeah, nothing small, phone? Yeah. I have not. I've just covered it from afar. Um, I mean, it's not like you know for lack of trying on their end to get us uh, some devices to play with. But yeah, because they're not in the U.S., we don't have a reason for our U.S.-based reviewers or editors to kind of spend that much time with them. So it, again, like I said, I don't want to dwell too much on this. Uh, is Carl Pei, again, not making huge promises, just kind of doing what Xiaomi has done, doing what a lot of other Chinese phone brands have done in the past, which is to say that they're eyeing the U.S. market, but never really making it here because, again, regulatory stuff is difficult. Um, but then speaking of phones overseas outside of the U.S., uh, Honor, uh, which used to be a Huawei sub-brand uh, and has broken away since to do its own thing, Honor has been making its foldables in a while, but this week we published a um, sort of a hands-on, I believe, that our coworker Dan Cooper got to spend some time with. And, you know, it seems like Dan liked it, I which I, no shade to Dan, I tend to take it with a pinch of salt because Dan, I don't know that Dan has had a lot of experience with also, say, like a Galaxy Z Fold or um, even the Huawei uh, Mate Fold. James, have you played with a lot of Honor phones? Uh, so... Again, a little bit more experienced than nothing, for example. So I, I think I got given one at one MWC. You know, like uh, there's somebody, the Huawei in particular, they just used to like um, goodie bag everyone sometimes on the yeah. way out, right? And you're, so you've got in this awkward position where you've got this phone, but you don't know what to do with it. So um, so I think my mother-in-law ended up with that one. Um <laughs> And but from what I could tell, it looked. And this is a couple of years ago. It's like I was. I remember thinking, oh, you know, this is. It looks nice aesthetically. The design was pretty good. You know, I had a nice sort of um, non-garish, bluish 
electric blues sort of vibe to it. Um, and for what she needed, it was perfect, right? It was it was capable enough, and it you know, but it wasn't complicated, and um, it was just perfect for that sort of category. And here in Spain, those are the brands that do really well. So mm. um, you, you'll see iPhones around, of course, and a lot of people with Samsung. But Samsung, you're more likely to see like the A series, Samsung A, whatever. Um, uh, Xiaomi is really popular here. Oppo, even like Poco phone. Those are, uh, Spanish consumers are really good at, at finding that sweet spot for price uh, to quality. So, so Honor's not a brand I see everywhere, but Vodafone here does sell it. It's one of their phone like brands that you can get, and I think they're surprisingly good for for the price for sure. You know, it's, yeah. it's nothing, what, what, what's bad to say about it, right? You know. I don't know exactly how much this uh, folding phone is going to cost yet. Uh, again, like Dan said, this is a prototype of its um, second uh, foldable. Coming from a brand like Honor 2, which has traditionally been known for its budget mid-range year phones. I'd love to see, you know, how much they price this. It's also not something that will likely get here in the U.S. So if you're, you know, in America well, like, let's just look. So um, for now, though, check out Dan's uh, hands-on on Engadget.com for all the details on what it felt like to play with perhaps a mid-rangier folding. <laughs> but how are we doing with the with the non-mid-rangier ones, with the, with the flagships, yeah. the Samsungs? I, I still haven't been able to use one. How do you find, like, the flip <laughs> and the fold and... Um, since the since the uh, first first ones, I I mean we we talked about this at length on our podcast, James. I'm asking if you would just now, just you know, because listen. I want to know. No, I'm kidding. The phones are much sturdier now. Uh, there's a more they they're so much more refined. They actually feel like things we can recommend people buy now. Uh, the Flip Three to the Flip Four, for example, um, has a good boost in battery life good to the point where like it won't last you more than a day you know but it's good enough that like we don't hesitate to recommend it to people anymore used to be the flip three i couldn't recommend because battery life was too short now they've really fixed that issue i really love the flip four the fold four i would find it harder to recommend to most people because it's not so mainstream friendly but it's still a very good like as far as foldables go, it's one of the better ones out there. I'm trying to think of the main other competition in the foldable space, at least in the US. It would be the Razer, the Moto Razer um, fold, but that's not really in the US just yet, right? It's more of like a more recognizable brand in the US. Um, it's the, 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 the latest version is not available stateside yet, so we'll have to see. And then I'm still curious about all the other brands out there, Oppo, Xiaomi, Huawei. They're making it. And I, I like the them. ones where it's um, kind of pulls out like a blind, and then yeah, yeah, it sort of rolls the out. Scroll? Yeah, I don't know how to like. It makes me think of the Venetian blind. You know, when you kind of yeah. pull around and it sort of shudders up. <laughs> the, the, that's the one that interests me because it's it's kind of a, a best of both, right? It can it's a normal phone all the time. And it folds out in a different way. It's not like this chunky book type <laughs> thing. But, yeah, you know. there's a lot of those uh, out there. Uh, TCL made a lot of concepts um, featuring different Did rollable LG screens. Do one as well? LG also. Yeah. LG made a scrolly TV as right? well. Right. 
Yeah, but LG made a wing as well. The one where the second screen kind of flips over like a sidekick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that was like, that wasn't wild. that the first year when foldables were like a thing? And it was like, it, it seems yep. like they showed up and that's all they had to offer because they, they, knew, they knew that they needed something that looks a bit like a, a foldable, but it didn't. So. You're, you're, you're remembering the LG wing, uh, not the LG wing, the LG dual screen V60 thing Q. That's the one where the second screen was just an add-on as a case to the phone. It was ridiculous. It was so stupid. It was at one of those shows that we cover in either IFA, Berlin, or uh, Barcelona. I feel that was MWC. I think it was back Velasco. It could have been. I think it was. But I'm looking at the wing now, and this is, I remember this as well. It's kind of gnarly. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Speaking of stuff that we cover, you were talking about uh, the, what was it, the Ayanio? How do you pronounce his name? Uh, I've been uh, saying Air it. Pro Gaming Handheld. I've been saying it. Ayanio. Okay. Um, it's spelled A-Y-A-N-E-O. If anyone yeah. wants to tell me how to pronounce it, please. Um, Ayanio and the model is the Air Pro. Now, they they kind of showed up about a, a year or so ago, I think, with a, a gaming handheld. It was like an uh, Indiegogo type thing and so you know we've been cautious about these projects um it looked good like a nice little windows gaming handheld and promised a lot and but they came through and they delivered it now that this year they've got this new model the air pro um which um there's an air as well which um this is not not for the audio but i I can show you there it's just just looks like a, a very much like a sort of nintendo switch light that sort of size, but it runs Windows, so you can run full PC gaming on it. That is the the cell, um, mm. and it's really good. Is it like the Steam Deck? Well, yeah, that's if you look. At, so if you search YouTube for this, that like you'll see all the the dedicated gaming accounts. So that's uh, most of them are sort of making this comparison Stream Deck to this. So Stream Deck natively runs SteamOS. Um, which is fine. You still have a desktop mode. So it's still like a PC if you want it to be, but it's optimized for Steam and Steam games. Um, even though you can run on, you don't have to run Steam games on it, but um, it is optimized for that. And you can run Windows on it, apparently. So they're very similar in this way, but this is more like, this is a Windows PC built into a, into yeah. a gaming thing. So you can lit- literally runs full Windows 11 and then you can open up your Steam library on that or your Epic library or just yeah. install the games, just do it all. It's a lot more, it's, it's, they're very, very similar, but different enough. This, the, the main thing here, this is actually a, a practical size that you can put in your pocket. Whereas the Steam Deck, uh, you must have, I don't know if you've seen Jess's review, but that yeah, the, yeah. The thing is, the controller yeah. it was huge right there's no putting that yeah. in your back pocket right it's it's a, a more capable machine it's a little slick a little slicker on the on the gaming side of things but um but it's a beast whereas this thing is is cute it's portable it's handheld you know you can, um and it runs pc games pretty well with, with a sort That's of a, asterisk i was gonna say are you gonna tell me it's possible for me to like edit my documents on this what, you, Air Pro. If you plug a, a keyboard and a mouse into this thing, a hundred percent, you could do that for sure. Um, <laughs> so it does. I have done that. I've, I've taken the video out and um, plugged in a keyboard and mouse, um, or or you could do it on the screen. But the screen is only five point five inches, which is fine for games, Word documents. It's a little trickier, but you theoretically could do it. It's just not going to be a whole bunch of fun. But you want to wait for the next one, which is the 
INEO2, it's called. Um, that really is a Steam Deck rival. It's, it's got better silicon. It's the same size screen. It's like, it's a beast. Um, that one would be much more capable as, as a PC as well. Okay. Well, I mean, thanks for, I know, I mean, I love that you review a lot of these like really weird Windows <laughs> machines for us. You've reviewed quite a bunch of them. I, so. I, I just love weird gadgets in general. I look at some of the stuff I review and I'm like, God, I do all the weird stuff, right? I'm just like, everyone's like, like oh, you know, doing a Razer laptop or something or like a, De- <laughs> a Dell tablet. And I'm here like sort of, you know, electric roller skates. You know, or no, but you did that like tiny little PC one time. Yeah. I remember you told me yeah, about it. Yeah, actually, oh. I've got it right here on my desk because uh, so, I was just comparing it for the thing. I, I love small portable PCs for some reason. I Just anything that's like a, a whole PC but not as good as a real PC, I'm into it. I'm glad you're into it. Uh, and I think Windows is a pretty pretty good platform for people to stuff into different uh, machine form factors. Uh, but I... Would like to wrap this section with a mini rant just a personal rant it didn't like it's not really a, a newsy thing but it is related to what we cover and that is my friends um have been shopping during black friday they asked me they were like hey uh is the Am- amazon echo show 15 is that worth buying and i was like oh i looked at our review which i cle- clearly forgot i edited um i was like oh yeah i remember i edited this review it was uh, pretty okay so i said go ahead and they got it they like it they're an Amazon family, but the software on this is so weird. It's so bad. It's like, uh, I, we, we did some research afterwards and we realized that there's a lot of like, there's a bug that people have been reporting since November 22, where like prime video itself just doesn't work on this Amazon device. It's great. It works very well. So, Hey, Amazon, if you're listening, work on your shit, well, work on your shit. This was the one that is the picture frame, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. And, 15 inch screen. And it was was it right in it was sort of originally repurposed it was its purpose was a and then they sort of said well you might as well make it a a, a media viewing device so they, they did all that. it's actually yeah it's kind of related to this week's news because this week they did release an update that would make the amazon echo show 15 be kind of like a fire tv interface so you can use it as a fire tv it's a 15 inch little screen for your for your fire tv content um, but specifically for prime video stuff, my friends were having trouble playing actual titles beyond like the first episode, especially if they had run the latest software update. So again, Amazon, get your shit together. That's something for Amazon to be working on. Meanwhile, we're working on Davindra is working on, uh, really quickly. I would just tell you what he's working on. He said he's working on end of year stories as well as his Odyssey arc review is finally going up. That is that strange looking Samsung screen that you can do in vertical or horizontal orientations. It would curve slightly around you. And I really wanted one pretty bad. Um, I am working on the winners and losers of the year story. Uh, James is aware because James and I are working together on this kind of. And uh, if you all still have any ideas about people in tech or businesses or products in tech that really impressed you or really disappointed you this year, you know, send them our way at podcastandgadget.com. James, what are you working on? Um, I'm still not out of the woods with the gaming handhelds. So uh, I don't know if you ever remember Evercade. Uh, They kind of made a, a gaming handheld, which I'm showing up for Shelin. But um, the unique thing there was that the games came on cartridges. Um, so they're retro, they're old games that you can buy. So it's a way of like buying old games with legally, right? 
um, and having a dedicated handheld. And they did a home console version, and they've just updated. Uh, they've released the second version of the handheld. So that's what I'm checking out at the moment. Um, that is going to run. If you're listening to this podcast uh, after it's been published, it will probably be on the site just just about by then. It comes out tomorrow. On Friday. It's an embargo. Okay, on Friday. Gotcha. Um, and then also, James, you're sort of leading our uh, year-end coverage, right? You're heading that uh, that effort up. Anything like you're specifically excited for that people should look out for? Um, sure. Other than the story I am putting Well, your here? story would have been top of the list, obviously. But yes, uh, Carissa's going to be doing something on Facebook. Um, Meta's big bet on, on the metaverse. Um and we're going to have a video on that as well. So I'm particularly interested in that because I think there's a lot of social media news this this year, um, especially yeah. right now. Um, but I think the the metaverse thing is earlier on in the year, and it's uh, really interesting to see uh, how badly that is or is not going. So I'm I'm particularly looking forward to to Carissa's story uh, on that. And then one final note and working on, I want to shout out around Engadget. We've got Just Condit's uh, story came out last week about the Callisto Protocol. This is a game that maybe isn't like the top of everyone's list, but it is one of the bigger games that was going to release in this part of the year, which typically is a slow year for game releases. Um, check out her article on it. Her takeaway, according to at least the headline, is that it didn't scare her. It just made her mad. So, James, uh, I know I asked you for a recommendation this week of things to uh, listen to or watch or read. Do you have anything for me other than, you know, me and James talk about British entertainment sometimes. Anything good? Uh, Yeah, I can give you a podcast uh, recommendation. Um, It's called The Superhero Complex. And it's um, so you may have heard that like it's about real life superheroes and there's one in particular that's very well known. His name is Phoenix Jones. Uh, he's um, based in Seattle um, and he's like fully dressed up for like a superhero and he soul goes out solving crime. And he even had a band of sort of a, a, an Avengers like band of fellow superheroes that used to sort of uh, you know go around solving crime. But the, it kind of all falls apart, and there's a lot of egos going on, and it's uh, it's 100 worth checking out. Superhero complex. Um, Interesting. So oh, stories yeah. like it's a series specifically about this guy and his real life alter ego, and the sort of arc of him becoming a superhero. It's literally like a sort of origin story, like a real life, um, and then the sort of arc of that story and its eventual decline. No spoilers because that is. It's publicly Google Googleable information, but um, it's just fascinating, absolutely fascinating. The and when, when I was asking you also about like uh, preparing a recommendation this week, you said, "Can we go just go over our wrapped?" Uh, you didn't mean our Spotify wrapped, right? Yeah, well, sort of because um, I actually use Spotify. I use uh, YouTube Music, and I, so I kind of got like the um, the sort of store brand version. Uh, of it the generic yeah, yeah. The, the generic yeah so i actually don't have my phone phone here so i can't look it up but um i do remember that mine said that but you know my taste in music right so yes the, i do the the artist i listened to the most was tame impala tame impala right. well, okay which is like All if right. you know me is not uh is not you is not i mean apparently it is because i listen to it but um yeah it wasn't uh it was a surprise mine had just embarrassingly it had uh 
Taylor Swift on there. But it was, we talked about this last week. Mine was just like, oh, K-pop and pop. Good job. Um, and some EDM, I guess. So I was relying on you to bring the picks this week, but I'll just run through a list of, I don't know, British things that I've, I like. Okay. Just because in uh, honor of James, I guess. I, what, what were you about to I, say? I was gonna definitely got, if you want a TV recommendation, it's... Um, there is called The Outlaws, and it's, it's by Stephen Merchant, who I don't know how famous he is. Ooh, um, we know Stephen Merchant. Yeah, only because he's literally from my hometown, so uh, I've only seen him in that context. So he did uh, uh, The Outlaws, which was, did season one, um, uh, but they've just done season two, and it's really good. It's actually set in Bristol, set in my hometown, um, and it's just really good sort of cozy comedy i suppose uh mm-hmm. is is the way you suppose yeah i don't know how to sort of describe it it's like it's just a it's just a very cute comedy that um uh you know and you kind of really get invested in it even though like not a lot happens but christopher walken's in it as well which is really weird Ooh. because it's like a load of what's a i was gonna say where can we watch it so it will depend because it was a bbc back thing so i viewed it via that um, avenue but i'm pretty sure there's going to be some u.s um u.s distribution on it I, I don't know where it would be though the it's okay we can look it up but the outlaws is a solid recommendation uh i will steal that and say that that was my pick this week and yours was the podcast uh superhero complex um and then just to have my own original thing i will really quickly say if i haven't mentioned before black books um it's a great little comedy series. Have you seen it? That, that, that's been going for years, right? Very long, right, very right. old. Dylan that's, Moran. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah that's a, a classic of the yeah. ages, of course. That's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find James. Where can people find you online? Uh, best bet is Twitter, which is, will be my handle is It's True, and it's T-R-E-W. And if you want to send me your very cute, realistic AI drawings that are also not nudes, you can send them to me. I am at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes, and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. Uh, CF542 asks, what is a Spanish microwave? It is a microwave in Spain.